0: Good morning, uh, if I speak for myself, I'm just so overjoyed to be here this morning and to be able to worship with you guys this morning and also to be able to present some truth from God's word and hopefully I find it uh, for you to be encouraging as I found just studying for this lesson to be very encouraging. Um, the group at Garden City sends their regards and um, wishes well and hopes and praise for just the growth and education of this group here. And of uh those who are visiting, we're glad to have you here as well. I, myself, am a visitor, so I can't tell just exactly who's visiting not visiting, but if you are, uh, I know this group here is just so overjoyed as well to have you with, with us this morning. Um, so getting into the lesson, do you ever find yourself in times of maybe struggle or suffering? Maybe you can find yourself in a situation which you could define as a trial, a tribulation, a trouble. Um, and you may think to yourself, or can we have other people who, who try to console you and speak to you and tell you, well, you need to have faith. You need to just trust in God in this moment. Hold on to your faith. And so you imagine, okay, well, that's, you know, that's very good advice. But then you may think to yourself, well, what is faith? So you might find yourself going to Hebrews chapter 11 and you look at verse 1. And the definition that the Hebrew writer there gives is that faith is the substance of things hoped for, The ev- evidence of things unseen. And If you're like me and a simple person, you might not quite understand exactly what that means when you read that. And you think, well, I've got this, this problem, this issue, I'm struggling, I'm suffering. How does that definition quite help me? How does that serve me? And fortunately for us, Hebrews chapter 11 is full of examples of people who act in faith. So that definition becomes a little bit more clear, easier to understand as we see so many a plethora of examples in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, and to me, there's one very special example I want us to focus on here this morning. Um, I want to focus on Abraham, but I don't want to focus on the example and the evidence and the things that the Hebrew writer says about Abraham. I want us to turn to Romans chapter 4 and learn from just the example of Abraham that Paul speaks to the Corinthians, the Corinthians the Romans about in Romans chapter 4 here. Um, and so just to outline the lesson here, we're going to start in Romans chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 16, and I want to read verse 16 to the end of the chapter here. Um, and just this morning, there's just really three simple points, uh, three things I want us to notice, and three things I want us to remember about this passage as we read it, and as we go through it, and we discuss it here. And there's have a, a few points of application. And the lesson will be yours this morning. Uh, but there's three things I want us to recognize, and we'll identify those as we go here through the text. So let's start in verse 16 of Romans chapter 4. Let's read. For this reason is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace. So that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. And the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead, and calls unto being that which does not exist. And hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. So Romans chapter 4 is one of my favorite sections, not just only in the New Testament, but in all of Scripture and all of the Bible. And for these reasons that we'll mention and we'll we'll learn here in these lessons, uh, to me it's just a very helpful section to see faith lived out. There's some things we want to notice this morning as we go through the text here. So the first thing, the first point of the lesson here, the first Thing uh, I want us to recognize and focus on for a little bit is that God's character inspired Abraham's faith. God's character inspired Abraham's faith. So Romans four sixteen to the end here is really kind of in the context of you can think about probably after really Genesis chapter fifteen when these promises are first given to Abraham and he believes these promises and there is credit to him as righteousness. Um, and if you remember those promises, if you were like me, being little, it kind of got ingrained within you from Bible classes and just lessons over and over again. Those promises were that Abraham would, one, have a nation of his descendants, you know, have a land that we, they would possess. Also, he would have many, many descendants. And the last one is that all the nations through his seed would be blessed. And those sound awesome. Those sound great. Those sound amazing. Uh, he's going to have descendants. He's going to have a nation. All the nations are going to be blessed because of Abraham's descendants and his children. Uh, but there's a problem here. Abraham doesn't have a single child. That's why Abraham actually tells God in Genesis 15, I, I don't have a single kid. Uh, my, the one who can take it from my possessions is some distant relative I have. Um, and so the amazing thing here is the fact that Abraham still chose to believe those promises, which meant a son needed to be born between him and Sarah. Isaac was promised. Through these promises, Isaac was promised. Abraham at least was, you know, having a fascination. He's got to start with one. So he's going to have a child here. And so there's an amazing thing here. It's like, okay, well, that's good. Great. I'll have a child. But we notice some things about Abraham. And Abraham also knows these things about himself. You look at verse 19. Um, Abraham was 100 years old. About 100 years old, the text says here. And not only that, he considers himself almost as good as dead. My body's, <laughs> my body's useless. There's no way I'm able to produce any children. And he looks over to Sarah. Well, Sarah's <laughs> not too much better either. Her womb's dead. She's old as well. There's no way that we ourselves can create these children here. And that's where this point of Abraham being inspired, his faith being inspired by God's character comes into play. Because Abraham knew things about God. He knew things that God could do. He knew aspects of his character. And in verse 17, there's, there's some very two very important things that Abraham notices and realizes and understands about this God that he serves. The first thing is the fact that God can bring life to the dead. And we just saw in verse 19, well, Abraham Abraham's well, I'm dead. I, I, it's not going to come through me, and it definitely, did. Sarah's is dead as well. It's not going to come through her. But Abraham knew that God could bring life where there was none for him. He could bring life to the dead. He could bring the child through him. And then also the other thing that Abraham knew about God, believed about God in verse 17, is that he calls into being that which does not exist. And you imagine as well, he doesn't have a son yet. These promises, they sound amazing, they sound fantastic. They don't exist yet. Yet, I know that God can call things into being. That God can create things with his very own words that don't even exist there. And if you remember the very beginning of Genesis, that's kind of how we're introduced to God. Think about it. After God's spent the days forming most of everything, when we finally get to man, and God, man's been formed out of the dust of the earth, and he's just a body. There's no life within that body yet. So what does God do? He breathes life into the body. He breathes life into the dead. You also think about the world itself. When we get to Genesis chapter 1, well, it's, it's formless, it's a void, it's utter chaos. And yet, as God speaks, things start happening. As God speaks, animals are created, things are divided, things are brought together, life is created. Abraham knew that God could do these things, that he could perform these things. And so that's the first point. Abraham knew very important, very intimate things about God's character, and he rested his faith on those things. He had his hope and his promise invested in those things the second point, when it comes to faith, and one of the things we see, a very important lesson, I think, here in Romans chapter 4 from this example of faith, Abraham didn't just believe these things in a void. It took Abraham being provoked almost. It took Abraham's being prodded, his faith being tested in a way for these things to come out. I think sometimes it can be really hard to understand how to grow in faith. We imagine, well, I just just need to grow in faith. Well, how does that actually happen? I can... Obviously, believe things about God. You see, you know, in James chapter two, even you know the demons believe that God exists. So faith is more than just acknowledgment of God's being, God's existence. Uh, faith is when is when we hold on to things about God. We hold on to promises of God when there's a temptation to let them go, or we may be pushed to hold on to them stronger because of a difficulty, a suffering in our life. So you see, that's just what's happening here with Abraham. Is, we want to acknowledge that his faith was being tested. He was given some promises that are really hard to believe, and yet it only brought out good. You imagine—I um, don't know if you've been in a stressful environment or in, in work situations or school situations. Uh, you know, deadlines coming up, and it's—you know—there's a lot of work to be done, and there's so much we haven't got done yet. So we need to rush and get it done. So you imagine people are put in situations that kind of push them and kind of pull them apart a little bit. You know, most people usually crack. Usually bad things come out. People get stressful. You see bad coping mechanisms. They, they freak out about things. And yet we see here when, when Abraham is pushed, when he's, when he's provoked, when he's prodded, when God is, is squeezing his faith, only good things come out. And I think that's that's an example. Those of faith when we're pushed, when we're provoked, when God is putting us in a situation where we just have to hold on, usually if we hold fast to faith, good things come out. Uh, amazing. Out of, out of just these promises being gave, given Abraham, we have this lesson here in Romans chapter 4. So I want to point out some things about uh, understanding when Abraham's faith was proven, some things, some qualities of this faith that Abraham had that were shown, that were revealed. Um, So you look at verse 18. Verse 18 is probably one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, In hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So that phrase, in hope against hope, um, to me, the first time I read it, it's like, you know, what in the world is that? <laughs> what does that mean? That's, a, that's an interesting phrase. Um, but the more I've read this passage, the more I've thought about it, uh, the more I read throughout scripture, the idea is the fact that Abraham believed when beyond all human logic, beyond all human reasoning would have failed. There's no way. <laughs> These are two old folks. There's no way no child is going to come through them. There's, there's absolutely no way. So when most people would have possibly given up, when most people would have thought, well, this this sounds amazing, God, but this is too good to be true. Past all logic, all reason, all human understanding, Abraham believed in God. Beyond all the greatest human hopes we could possibly have, Abraham just held on to what was given to him by God. And so we see some other things as he holds on to these promises, as he believes in God that he might become a father of many nations. If you look at verse 19, um, it says there, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. So the thing is, is Abraham, while he's thinking about the deadness of his own body, while he's thinking about the deadness of Sarah's womb, how impossible it really is, by all our logic, by all our thinking, for a child to come from these two, from this couple, he doesn't. He acknowledges that he doesn't grow weak in faith. He doesn't you know, think of those things and, well, there's no way this is going to happen. Well, God, we've got to redo. We've got we've to figure out another way for this to come through. He doesn't grow weak. He actually, in fact, grows stronger. And you look at and you look at verse twenty. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. This idea as well. Abraham didn't waver. He didn't stop. It didn't take him a long time to to believe in these things. It take him, you know, weeks or months of just thinking and praying. It's like, this is this actually really gonna happen? He believed. He understood. And he followed through with that. And so you think about also another example of this faith of Abraham that we see related to Isaac after Isaac is born. Think about Genesis chapter 18 when the commandment comes from God to Abraham. Well, I need you to go sacrifice your son Isaac. Does Abraham wait a bunch of weeks Does he wait around and bemoan Isaac? It's, I mean, he obviously he loves Isaac very much, but he goes immediately. He gets the command, he goes. That's, you know, imagine that, that's, that would take me forever to figure out and finally get out the door and take my son with me. Uh, but Abraham moves immediately. He hears the command and he goes, as hard and as difficult as it is. And I think another thing is Abraham had a, had a longevity of faith. He didn't believe one thing one day and you find him the next day and he's completely downtrodden. And he's just completely struggling to hold on to these promises. Abraham, as we see him, we're actually introduced to him when he's quite old already in Genesis. And we see him from the very beginning, the, verse, the very first command God gives, go. Go to this nation. Get away from your father's household. Your father's land to a place into a people you absolutely do not know. He gets up and he goes. And we only see, as we go throughout Scripture, as we even have some things revealed to us in the New Testament, that Abraham's faith only grew. It only matured and developed throughout his life. So in verse 17, you have it where he believes that, you know, God could bring life to the dead. If God can can God can bring a child for me through the deadness of my body and the deadness of my wife's body. So he believed that. And if we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9... The, the reader reveals there in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9. If you want to flip it, when it comes to Isaac being sacrificed, Abraham still believed that God could bring life to the dead. And so I, I want to read that verse and notice something really interesting that Abraham believed. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9. Um, let's read there. By faith, um, let's start a little bit further. Let's start in verse 8. Um, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which had been... Alright. So. Actually, let's look at James chapter 2. I think I have the wrong verse here. (laughs) Flip over to James chapter 2 for a minute. Look at James chapter 2. That's right. James chapter 2, verse 21. My bad there. I had the wrong thing written down. So James chapter two, twenty-one. 21. This is the point here. And James chapter 2, looking at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his own son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works alone. One second here. Hebrews eleven seventeen and nineteen is which That's what you're looking for. <laughs> Thank you, Clay. Seventeen and nineteen. My bad there. You look at verse seventeen and nineteen. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, And Isaac, your descendants, shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So you see the example there, the fact that Abraham believed God could bring life to my dead. My deadness. And then we look over when it comes to Isaac, he also believed, well, if he could do that for people, he could bring Isaac back from the dead. That that, that that fact that belief that he had in God did not waver it lasted all the way up till when Isaac was a young boy here as well. So he had longevity of faith. Abraham's faith when it was tested and was proven all these qualities, all these inviting qualities about his faith are shown and are revealed here. And so the third point here and so you you can imagine well this is you know this is great this is awesome this is fat fantastic these things are amazing this is a really encouraging thing to read and you might imagine, as well, well, then how did Abraham do it? How does how does what is being accomplished here by Abraham's faith, how he gets to this quality and this place of faith, well, how do, how do we do that? What are things that we can see that Abraham, that led Abraham to have such a faith here? So there's two things, at least in this text here, that I want to uh, mention and point out that I think helped Abraham to have this faith, that, that helped him to develop to have this faith. So the first thing, look at verse 20 of Romans chapter 4, back in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. It reads there, Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So I think that's the first thing. I think that's the first thing that helped Abraham to be able to have this quality of faith, is that he gave glory to God. So you imagine, what what does giving glory to God really mean? We we see that phrase all throughout Scripture. Uh, So what does that actually mean? How how did Abraham practically do that? Um, And so another way of thinking about giving God glory or giving glory glory over to God, is this idea that you acknowledge his greatness. You you realize exactly what type of God, the quality of this God in whom we have come to. And so practically, um, I think one way to do this or to think about this is while you're struggling, while you're having this difficulty, while you're having this suffering, or maybe you're having nothing going on right now, but this idea of just take a step back, take a step back and just think about truths and things that are revealed about God and his character that we see throughout Scripture. You can think about Genesis chapter 1. You can think about the things that God is revealed about God, His power and His ability to create. You may think about times and situations in which the nation of Israel was in trouble. They needed help from God. And times when God routed the enemy before them. Times when hail came down from the heavens and destroyed and pelted the enemies of the Israelites. Or times when God sent angels to deliver them. So you imagine the power that's there. You may even think, um, maybe a little bit more closer to us when You may think about a passage like Romans chapter 8 And especially around verses 30 to 32 Where it's spoken about how God is willing To use Jesus to freely give us all things If he sent his son to the cross How much more is God willing to give us all things You just think about the power, you look outside All the things when you just imagine Just the character of God and you put that to the forefront of your mind And so step back into your problems Step back into your issues Step back into the difficulty of believing some promise, These promises of God and to me, when I do that, it makes things a lot more easier to believe when I'm reminded of this God that we're serving. Well, if I know that this is the God who's created all heavens and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Israelites, and the God of Jesus, and then I have this promise, this problem or this issue that I'm struggling to hold on to or believe in or to survive through, it makes it seem a lot smaller when I realize it's that God who's helping me. It's that God who's serving me. And so to me, that's what I think... Abraham did when he said he gave glory to God. He recognized what type of God, which God, the God, that was giving him these promises. And so I think there's another thing that Abraham also, uh, that led Abraham to have this type and have this quality of faith. Look at verse 21 as well. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. So Abraham also knew something else about God, that if God said something, if God commanded something, if God said, well, this is going to happen... Well, Abraham had enough faith, enough belief, enough trust in the character of God to understand and realize, well, it's going to happen. If God is going to command something, if God is going to say something is able to happen, well, that must mean he's got the ability, he's got the tools and the resources to take that all the way through, to take it to completion. There's nothing that God has promised in any of us. There's nothing that God either either commands us to do, or this type of character that he wants us to be, that God himself is not willing and able to complete and do it himself as well. And so Abraham knew that and understood that as well. Abraham gave glory to God and knew that if God had commanded something, that he's able to fulfill what he promises as well. And I think that's what led Abraham to have the type and the quality of faith that he had. As well as just, we look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Abraham listened to the word of God. He listened to it. He understood it. And he cherished it as well. Uh, so there's the points. Uh, just some things to, to recognize and realize as you go throughout uh, there's, there's so much more, Romans chapter 4 the section here is very very rich uh, but those things to just realize and recognize here this morning that will lead us to some of the applications we'll talk about for just a few moments but you know God's character inspired Abraham's faith he knew who God was and that led him to have this quality of faith and also for Abraham to have his faith to had to be tested, he had to be pushed he, had to, he grew in faith only because he was pushed, and he was tested through these things And as well, he gave glory to God, and that's how he was able to have this quality, this this, this type of faith that is so inviting for us to want, to desire to have as well. So some applications. So I think there's there's, there's quite a few lessons. There's plenty of lessons we can learn from here. But I think the one thing that the Hebrew, not Hebrew, the Romans writer here, Paul, is trying to get the Romans to understand is the fact that God can justify me or justify anyone, or can completely reverse any sort of situation. you look at verse 17 again, when it's Abraham realizes the fact and is reminded of and believes that God can give life to the dead. And just look a little bit further up in the chapter of Romans. Romans chapter 4, you look at verse 5. In the same way that God believed, the, or Abraham believed these things and was credited to righteousness, we look at verse 5. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. The The thing about Abraham is he believed these promises of God, which were able to completely revitalize his life, to be able to completely renew, change his life all over. And what the writer is saying here, Paul is telling the Romans here, in the same way, if we believe that God can justify the ungodly, he can bring life to those who are outside of Christ, to those who are dead in their sins and their trespasses, it's the same thing, it's the same quality of faith, the same type of faith, the same act that Abraham did when he believed God could bring life to his body as well. And we see promises. Um, we see promises as well, and just uh, thoughts and ideas. If you look at Romans chapter eight, the fact that Jesus has done him for us. Not only does He do it for the ungodly, those who are outside. Well, He's He's done it for us. He's performed it for us. If you look at Romans chapter eight and look down at verse eleven there in Romans chapter eight. In the same one, in the same way that God brought life to Abraham's body. Romans chapter eight, verse eleven. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's the exact same thing. Abraham was dead, and God brought life into his body. Same thing with us when it comes, when we find ourselves in need of Jesus in the same exact way. We need life, and only Jesus is able to bring it to us. So I think what's being done here and showing to us is what God did with Abraham. Not only will he do it with, him, with me, God, through Jesus, does it in a more perfect and the full measure of that he's always desired to do it. If he did it with Abraham, he's able to do it with me. If I am desiring to have the same type and the same quality of faith that Abraham had as well. I think another thing, when you find yourself in these difficult situations, these, these problems, these issues, these sufferings, these struggles that you have maybe within your life that are going on, um, those are times for that faith to really kick in. Those are times for that faith to really do its work. Again, like we saw, Abraham was pushed, he was prodded, he, he was put in a difficult situation to be able to have his faith matured and grow. That's exactly what's happening with us when we find ourselves in these hard situations, these strugglings, these sufferings that are going on. It's to perfect our faith, it's to, per, it's to promote, it's to provoke our faith to grow. We don't, we don't grow our faith in some sort of vacuum over there. Again, we talked about it in James chapter 2, even the de- demons believe that God exists. It comes when it comes time to, whether you can hold on to your faith. You can hold on to these promises or not. And I think that's, that's another lesson that's here, another application. Faith is holding on to God's promises despite what the world around us may be trying to tell us, or what even my own belief may be trying to tell us as well. We live obviously in a world that is under the power and the influence of Satan. We can look at several places in Scripture to see that and to recognize that. We can be influenced by Satan and the power that he has for the world, and a lot of times, what that does is it makes it look like God may not be really able to fulfill what he's promised. Or you're suffering, or you're struggling, or you're having this difficult job situation. Well, didn't God say he'll take care of you? Didn't God say he'll, he'll help you through these difficulties? He'll help you through these struggles in your life? Um, and it's, that's, again, why in verse 18, that's one of my favorite uh, this phrase, in hope against hope, Abraham believed. This idea is sometimes my own belief, sometimes my own, my own lack, my own struggling to understand these promises is what really holds me back. And that's my faith you need to grow. Um, there's a really interesting example that I think really correlates this when we look at Jesus and his disciples. So if you want to look over at Mark chapter 4, we won't read Mark chapter 4, but I'll just point out a couple things. Um, so Mark chapter 4... And towards the end of the section there in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, uh, you look at verse 35 in Mark chapter 4. Um, On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And so Jesus and the disciples get up, they leave the crowd, they go into the boat, and they're they're going across the sea that is there. And in verse 37, uh, a fierce gale breaks out. A a storm begins to happen as they're going over to the other side. Water... um, the waves are breaking against the boat. The boat is starting to fill up with water. And Jesus himself is you know, he's quietly asleep. And so, you know, this is a very well known passage where his disciples, you know, they wake him up. We're dying, Jesus. Do you, not, do you not care that if you don't do something about this, we are going to die? And he gets up. He, he quiets the sea. In um, verse 39 there, he says, Hush and be still. And then in verse 40, he then turns to his disciples and tells them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And to me, the first time I read this, I was like, man, Jesus is being kind of harsh here. (laughs) I mean, they thought they were dying. I mean, the boat was about to capsize. The the wind is breaking against it. The waves, it's filling up. I mean, what else were they supposed to believe? But remember how this context started, right? What did Jesus say at the very beginning of this? He said, let us go over to the other side. God calls into being that which does not exist. Jesus said, we're going to make it to the other side. Does it matter what happens in the middle? Does it happen if there, there's a storm? Does it matter if there's a massive sea serpent that pops out in the middle of that? We're going to make it to the other side because I said so. That's what faith is. Faith is holding on to God's promises. Faith is holding on to God's word, the gospel, when everything around me makes it seem like it's not going to happen. When everything around me says, well, you, you're not going to make it. Well, God gave me this promise. That means I'm going to make it. There. That's the way Abraham believed. That's the way Jesus is trying to get his disciples to believe. The same way, the same quality, the type of faith that we ourselves have to have. And so the last application, the last thing uh, I want to leave you with this morning, the last, last point here, um, is Abraham acted in faith. If you, turn back, to, uh, you turn back to Romans chapter 4. But Abraham acted in faith because he knew things about God. And to me, what that teaches me, what that tells me, is that I need to be learning things about God. I need to be constantly, always being a student of the Bible, a student of Scripture, constantly learning about this God, And whom we serve, God whom we've pledged our lives to, this God in whom Son has brought us life. Uh, Abraham knew these things, and that's what really motivated. That's what really helped him to hold on to these promises. He knew things about God. He understood this God he served. And we ourselves need to understand this God that we ourselves are also serving. Um, And so it's amazing how Abraham was able to have this faith, but then you also take a step back and you think about all the things that have been revealed to us. Um... In comparison, what we have revealed to us was, was, you know, it's a lot. What Abraham had compared to what we've got was very, very little. It it was enough, it was sufficient. Anybody who, who is willing to have faith and has faith, whatever God gives them to hold on to. But we have so many things revealed to us. So many things, so many promises, especially through Jesus, that are meant to give us hope, comfort, are meant to heal our wounds, to help us to hold fast and strong in times of difficulty, in times of hardness. And so you think about passages like 2 Peter chapter 1, especially verse 3, this idea we've been given all things in godliness. And pertaining to life and godliness, you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 32, that's the promise we talked about earlier a little bit. Where it says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with them freely give us all things? God says, whatever you want, I got it. I'll give it to you. I'll help you. I'll be right there for you. I'll be right there with you. So much of our faith is believing that. So much of our faith is just holding on with all the evidence, with all the tools that God gives us to these promises, which are given to us at the very moment we were conceived within Christ. So honestly, that's really all that I have here for you this morning. Just to realize that God can justify anyone, that God can justify me, and he has brought life to our mortal bodies and can bring life to anybody as well. He can completely reverse the situations we find ourselves in. And that faith is holding on fast despite whatever difficulties are surrounding. Even if it looks like God is not going to do it, God is not going to fulfill these promises. That's something the psalmist faced a lot of times in struggling to believe and holding fast those promises when everything around them looked like it wasn't going to happen. And lastly, we need to always be learning about God. This is a great God that we serve. This is a great God who's given us wonderful, amazing promises, who has allowed us to be able to wake up this morning the travel here to worship together with one another. Let us serve him. Let us believe him. Let us hold fast to his promises. And so as, as means of, a, of an invitation here this morning, the last section of Romans chapter 4, verses 22 to 25. We'll just reread that the it will be yours. Therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. What Abraham, what God did with Abraham, what he completed and he showed and he teaches us through his life, was to meant to equip us to believe in the same things when it comes to Jesus. The fact that we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead to justify us, to help us, and to bring us to eternal life. That promise stands for those, obviously, for those who call themselves saints, those who are the brethren here who are the servants of the Most High God, that's our hope, that's our promise, that's what we wake up every day striving for. And that promise is also given, and the opportunity is also extended to those who are outside of that, those who have not committed themselves, who have not been washed, who have not been cleansed, who have not had their names placed within the book of life, and have not clothed themselves with Jesus Christ, being born through the water, being baptized from a mission sin. The promise stands for us. If there's any here who needs help or prayers, I know the group here would love to be able to assist you in that. If there's anyone here who is subject to the call of the gospel this morning, I know beyond that, anybody here, everyone here, would be willing to help you with that as well. If there's any need for the invitation, uh, we would ask you and invite you. We would beg you to come and stand and sing with us. Why do you wait, dear brother? Oh, why do you tarry so long?